Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Hey, it is good to be here in the Barry. Let me, let me tell you, I feel at home every, every time I come here. Y'all don't invite me often, but, um, but every once in a while, nobody else is available and I get to come speak. And um, I like coming here because I feel at home because this is really the campus of the bald and the beautiful. Right? I mean, you've heard of the bold and the beautiful. This is the bald and the beautiful. Pastor Don, Pastor Sean, me. Bald and beautiful. And then there's Pastor Ryan, and he's just beautiful. <laughs> but one day, Lord willing, he'll catch up with us. <laughs> it is so good to be here. Man, I was, I, I was sitting there doing worship, and I had two thoughts. One was good, and one was just funny to me. I remember, some of you old-timers will remember this. I remember being a kid... I don't know, probably eight, nine, ten, and our parents dragging us to New Iberia to the old church on Lewis Street, and it was packed, and you couldn't get in, and it was hot. Whether you were outside or inside, it was hot. And I remember thinking, why in the world would we drive 30 miles with all the churches, good churches they have in Lafayette? And I remember my dad saying this to us one day. We make the drive because that's where God is doing something, and we want to be a part of where God is doing something. And honestly, I sat here doing worship, hearing those words of my dad, and literally thinking to myself, God's doing something here, and I just want to be where God's doing something. And seriously, I'm telling you, I mean, y'all are so blessed with Pastor Don and the team here is just, literally is just amazing. I'm just telling you, you're not just making a difference in your Iberia. You're, what you're doing and what's being developed here is literally changing the culture and the family of our Savior's Church on all seven campuses. Seriously. And I am so grateful. I, then the other thought I had was, I was watching Tammy um, Johnson sing. So Tammy, you know, her parents had like 50 kids. I'm, I'm sure I'm, it's a little extre- stretched, but I think, I don't know, how many kids did y'all have? 11. That's like eight too many. <laughs> and I remember back, I was, so I was on staff at Crossroads for almost 20 years, Crossroads Church in Lafayette. And... Uh, that's when we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Remember those days? And so, um, thank God for freedom. So, um, it was a Sunday night service, and we had had worship, and the pastor, Pastor Jeff Abels, was preaching. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his sermon, Tammy's dad, literally, you'd have to know Tammy's dad, he didn't have many boundaries. And so, um, he was just all in, Right? And um, was it Tammy, Bonnie, was it Tammy that was missing that night? Do you remember this? What is Tammy? I would just say it was Tammy. So 
in my head, it was Tammy. So her dad busts into the auditorium. He just starts hollering in the middle of the sermon, my daughter's missing, my daughter's missing. And, and he was big, so you just listened to him. And literally, all of a sudden, the men in the church went into operation. They formed a rescue team. I mean, they start a search team. There was a golf course. They started scouring the golf course. They started getting in cars and trucks and started looking. There were only two problems. Number one, nobody went and checked children's church upstairs because that's where Tammy was. And number two, her dad had just fallen asleep, taking a nap, and nobody informed him that she was riding to church with one of the 50 kids. So literally, the whole thing is the whole service. Nobody got saved that night. I don't even know what happened to Tammy when she got home, but that's a different story. But I'm telling you, I had that thought. I was like, oh my gosh, we were all looking for Tammy and Tammy was just worshiping Jesus because that's what Tammy does best. (laughs) Hey, I came to church this morning just to encourage you. I really just came today to encourage you. I don't have great wisdom for you today. I just want to encourage you. For some of you, I want to inform you about something. And for others of you, I just want to remind you about something. I I want to talk to you on this subject. God knows us and he loves us. God knows us and he loves us. And again, for some of you, I just want to let you know how much God loves you. And for others, I want to remind you of what drew you to Christ in the first place. It was the love of God. It was the kindness of God that drew you in. I want to read a passage of scripture and to serve as a text for our time together today. It's John chapter 10, verses one through five, and it says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers." It's interesting that throughout scripture, God refers to us as sheep. Now, if I had my preference, I would have had God refer to me more of like a lion, right? Something strong, and pop- but sheep. Have you ever spent any time with sheep? Listen, when I was young, my dad, for those of you familiar with Lafayette, this is back in the mid-70s. There was a country club. It was kind of like, where the rich people were, uh, Oakbourne Country Club, and they had a neighborhood. And my dad owned, I don't know, eight acres right by Oakbourne. And my dad decided to buy some sheep. I'm telling you, when it was all said and done, my mama said, choose me or the sheep. <laughs> Thankfully, he chose her. Those sheep were the dumbest animals ever. They would literally get out and we'd have to run the neighborhood. We're, all the rich people, we're running through rich people's backyards thinking, why did he buy this sheep and why can't we be rich too? But um, 
We would literally run chasing sheep because they were just dumb. And they would get out over and over and over again until finally we just got rid of them. Sheep are dumb. There's no sheep in the circus. Right? There's no sheep jumping through hoops. I don't know if you know this or not, but sheep don't bend their knees when they run. So they just run like this. And they look dumb. They're not only are dumb, they look dumb. Sheep require endless attention because they easily stray. But this analogy paints a picture of both our absolute need for God and his unselfish love for us. That God calls us sheep because he knows we're not the brightest and he knows we can easily stray. And yet he says, these are not just sheep. These are my sheep. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse three. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness. The reason we're here today is because God drew us in to share his great love with us. Oh, you might think you're here because your mama prayed you in. Or your wife prayed you in, or your husband prayed you in, or your mama, or your... Listen, you were here because John 6, says, no one comes to him unless they're drawn by the Father. Or they may have prayed for you, and they may have lived out a great example before you, but in the end, God wanted you as a sheep to be a part of his fold. The problem with us sheep is many times because we're all created with a need to be loved, but we try to acquire love or get love by our own means. And sometimes we we try to do things on our own in order to be loved. For some, some try to perform for others in order to be loved by those people. If I do good, then others will compliment me and tell me how good I did, and then I'll feel loved. For some, we try to get love by with people, by people. We we, we get love and affirmation from people when our kids do well or um, if we can marry a pretty enough spouse, like Pastor Sean's wife did. And (laughs) People will see us and think good about us. Some people use pity to get love. We put ourselves down and we we talk about how bad things are so that people will pat us on the back and encourage us and hopefully they'll love us because of our pity. For some, it's position. If I can just get that promotion, if I can just be the president of the HOA in our neighborhood, if I can just, just get to the next place, then people will love me. For some, it's physical affection. Because if I give myself to someone, then they will love me. For others, it's pleasure. If I could just work less and travel more, if I could just enjoy life more, then I would feel good about myself and feel loved. For some, it's possessions. If I could just get that house or that car. These are all temporary forms of love. 
temporary pleasure, temporary value, temporary acceptance, temporary appreciation. Oh, people will respond. People will respond to these things, but if this is your source of love and acceptance, you will become dependent on those people. Listen to me. God wants us to understand his love so we can be dependent on him. Dependent upon people, people that are flawed and have the ability to hurt you, contrary to God's love, there's a limit to human love. Listen, we can love one another, but only to a certain degree. But God's love is limitless. God's love knows no boundaries. Our capacity to love one another is limited. Let me read this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. This is a picture of God's love for you. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand all as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. Have you really experienced God's love? Have you really experienced this kind of love? Many people feel uh, they mess up because they don't love God enough. But the truth is, many people mess up because they don't understand God's love for them. People feel like they're not enough because they can't figure out how to love God enough. Listen, you'll never love God to the, to the, to the place that he's worth, to, 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 to what he's worthy of. But listen, what will keep you stuck is simply you not saying yes to God's love. Because God, God doesn't love you because you're pretty enough, you're rich enough, you have the right job, you have the right car. You have the, God loves you because you belong to him. God loves you because you are his creation. Listen, when I have two, two kids, 15 and 17, and thank God they're, they're both really, really pretty girls. They took after me. And... And there are times when they do something dumb. But you know why I get past it? Because they belong to me. They're mine. You can't earn God's love. God's going to love you regardless. So, So for me, mine is performance. I'm a people pleaser by nature. If I feel like if I do good enough, you'll love me. I know it's not right. I know, but that's just typically what I lean towards. How many of you, okay, so spirit of honesty here today. How many of you would say I'm probably a people pleaser? Come on, please me and raise your hand. Make me feel good about myself. (laughs) Yeah, okay, you can put it back down. You want me to tell you why you're a people pleaser? This is what I've learned from my life. Typically, people pleasers are trying to gain affirmation to make up for their insecurity. So when I was on staff at Crossroads, I I remember this one specific instance where I was at my daughter's basketball game And 
she was playing basketball and she was probably, I don't know, in the fifth grade. And I got a text that somebody was in the hospital and wanted me to come pray for them. And I left my daughter's basketball game to go pray for that person. Now, it wasn't an emergency. It could have waited till the next day. And the next day when I came in, my pastor asked me, he said, why did you leave your daughter's basketball game to go pray for that person? And I really, I had a spiritual answer. That's what my job is. That's what, and he said this to me. He said, David, who cares if you think you're a great pastor if your kids don't think you're a good dad? And we've been friends for 35 years. And he looked at me and said, David, you didn't go to pray for them. You went to be affirmed by them. See, because when I show up at the hospital to pray for people, I typically get celebrated. Oh, thank you, pastor, for coming. We are so great. When I get home in the afternoon, nobody's praising me. It was like, it's about time you get home. What'd you bring for supper? But typically, people pleasers are chasing after affirmation in order to make up for an insecurity. 1 John 4, 16 just simply says this. Not only does God love us, God is love. God is love. Many people don't know the concept of God's love. We, many people know the concept of God's love. They know God's love in theory, but we need to know it personally. We need to live in it and walk in it. Let me just give you some observations of God's love. I just want to encourage you today. Number one, God knows us, yet he loves us. Have you ever got to met somebody and you think, man, I really, I really want to be friends with them? Like, they are awesome. And then you start hanging out with them, and all of a sudden you realize... I don't like these people, right? Once you got to know them, they weren't so attractive to you. They weren't so cool to you. John chapter 10, verse 10, our text said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. Listen, God loves you and he still, uh, God knows you and he still loves you. Nothing goes unnoticed about you with God. The Bible says he knows everything about you. Psalm 145, 13, the Lord is loving toward all he has made. You are his creation and he loves you. The thought of God knowing everything we've ever done and still loving me is beyond comprehension to me. Because I know what I've done and you know what you've done. And the thought that God can know all of those things and still love us. Because let's be honest, we don't operate this way. We don't love this way. We need to remember that God is nothing like us. He is perfect. He is loving. He is kind. He is long-suffering. And as much as we try to comprehend and understand his love, the truth is, it's hard for us to understand it. Remember that old song Jewel wrote, What If God Was One of Us? Remember that song? I'm not going to sing it because the anointing would just be done. <laughs> what if God was one of us? On the bus like one of us or something like that? 
Listen, God's not like us. God loves with an everlasting love. Listen to Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. How great are his wisdom and knowledge and riches. How impossible it is for, under, for us to understand his decisions and his methods. God, God not only allows us to partake in his, his love, but the Bible tells us that God actually seeks us out. In all of our flaws, in all of our sin, in all of our mess, in all of our trouble, in all that we've created, God still seeks us out. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Knowing everything about our lives, he still wanted us. I don't know what you were told as a child. I don't know what some parent spoke over you or some sibling spoke over you or some teacher spoke over you. I don't know the wounds that those words hurt in your life, but I'm just telling you right now, the one who created you sees you differently. The one who created you sees you with value. Do not listen to the people who spoke words of death over you when the one who created you wants to speak life into you. So God knows us, yet he loves us. Number two, God cares for us. Listen, it's one thing to love someone. It's another thing to care for them. Have you ever said, I mean, I love them, but I don't like them. Right? God not only loves us, he cares for us. First Peter 5, 7 says, he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Gosh, this should bring freedom to our lives. Knowing you don't have to put masks on for God. God knows everything about you. You don't have to put the Christian mask on when you get here on Sunday mornings. Because let's be honest, that's what we do for each other. Right? We fight on the way to church and then we get here, bless the Lord. (laughs) We literally beat our, our kid, we almost beat our kids in the car. Uh, do not say one thing about this to anybody at church. They got to think good about us. We put masks on for one another. Listen, set yourself free. You don't have to put a mask on for God. He already knows who you are. And he already loves you in spite of it. God knows you. He knows your pain, your shortcomings, your strengths, But in spite of it all, he not only loves you, he cares for you. 1 Peter 3, verse 12, for the Lord is watching his children and listening to their prayers. I just tell you, Satan's trying to convince some of you, God doesn't know you, he doesn't care about you, and he's not even listening to your prayers. It's a lie. It's a lie. He loves you. He cares for you. He hears every word you pray. You just have to trust that he loves you and cares for you enough that he not only, that he wants what's best for you because his timing is perfect. My kids are 
in New York City this morning worshiping at Times Square Church with Pastor Tim Delaney and his family. They're staying with him for the week. And a couple of months ago, Tara and I knew we were planning this trip, but we didn't, they didn't know. Now, I told them before they left, something's wrong with this. I'm 57 years old, and I've been in New York four times. They're 15 and 17, and this is their fourth trip. I'm like, I want to be your kid. So they didn't know they were going, but we knew. And our 17-year-old Gabby came to us, and her friends were having a sleepover party for this weekend. And she asked if we could go. We just said no. And you'd have thought we'd have said, we're killing you and putting you up for adoption. Or putting you up for adoption, just one or the other. But she was like, what do you mean I can't go? These are good people. And then we had to get spiritual with her. Gabby, I'm not sure why. I just don't feel good about this. Right? Right? Because we knew what they didn't know. We knew if we said yes to this and no to New York, then she'd have killed us. So we just had to be like, Gabby, I just don't feel good about this party. But when she found out, oh, she was so excited we said no to the party. So they could go to New can I just tell you, some of you are mad at God because you think his no is just no when the truth is he just has something better down the road for you. And this doesn't come down to whether or not he loves you. It comes down to whether or not you trust him. His timing is perfect. We knew what my girls didn't know. And God knows what we don't know. Trust that he loves us. Trust that he cares for us. John 10, 3, he calls his own sheep by name because he cares for us. God knows your name. God knows your name. I was reading the obituary a few weeks ago and somebody in Lafayette had died and his name was John Booger Landry. And I thought to myself, do you think God would really call him Booger? Like, hey, if I die, don't put my nickname. I don't have a nickname, but don't put Booger in the paper under my name. God knows us. He cares for us. And he loves us. Listen to Isaiah 49, 16. I have written your name on the palm of my hand. Remember when you were in junior high? That girl, that boy, you just loved, you knew that was your future. And you sit in class on your notebook and you draw her name. You'd write his name in the palm of your hand and you'd get home and something, your mom would say, what's that name? Nothing, nothing. The Bible says God loves you so much He's doodling your name in the palm of his hand. You know why? Because you're always on God's mind. You're always on God's mind. I don't know if you feel rejected, but listen to me. You were accepted by God. God loves you that much. When Gabby, our oldest, was younger, she played soccer and I had a friend of mine who was a photographer and I asked him to go and video her playing soccer. And when we got the video back, 
he had a wide angle shot and he had videoed a bunch of kids. I'm like, I didn't pay you to go video a bunch of kids. I paid you to video my kid. I don't know how God does it, but God doesn't see the multitudes. He sees you. God doesn't see the, oh, he's the God of the multitude, but he's also the God for you. He loves the multitude, but he wants to just, at times he just hones in on you, what you're doing, who you are. God loves us. God cares for us. Number three, God protects us. He protects us like a shepherd protects his sheep. Many times the reason we get ourselves into trouble isn't because he doesn't love us. It's because as stubborn sheep, we choose not to follow the shepherd. We get ourselves in trouble, not because he's not a good shepherd, but because sometimes we're not good sheep. The shepherd doesn't leave us, but pursues us. Luke 15, verses 3 through 7, then then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder, on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I've lost, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over, who repents more than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Listen, some of you are here today and you've not said yes to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I think somewhere in heaven, people are on the edge of their seat just waiting to see if today is your day. Just waiting to see if today's the day. You're going to lift your hand and say yes to the love of Jesus. Yes to the freedom that comes in Christ. Yes to to spiritual family. Because you're the one he's interested in this morning. The reason many people get into trouble, they don't see God as their protection. Years ago, I was driving down Pinhook Street in Lafayette. I pulled up next to this car, and they were here, and I was kind of behind, and I could see into the back window. And in the back window, there was probably this little 10-year-old kid, and he starts making faces at me. I could beat this kid up, I'm telling you. (laughs) He starts making faces at me. I mean, like, intentional, like, like, he's just antagonizing me. I'm like, I'm in my 20s, boy. I can punch you. And he's just on and on. He's just like, he won't, I'm like, how long is this red light? And so I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get away from him just by pulling up. And when I pulled up, I saw his dad. And then I knew why he felt like he could make faces. Because his dad could beat me up. His dad was all bowed up. His confidence wasn't in himself His confidence was in his dad. And some of you are trying to put your confidence in yourself when God's just waiting for you to put your confidence in him. (laughs) 
Listen, in and of yourselves, I mean, we've got some giftings and we've got some talents and there's good in us, but what's best about us is our Father. And where our confidence should be is in our dad. But don't go making faces at people. The Bible says God's our refuge. You know what that means? Your dad's got this. When you choose not to submit to the shepherd, you're choosing to deal with the wolves by yourself. And that's a foolish choice. Matthew 9, 35 through 36, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We might be sheep, but we need a shepherd. And God wants to be your shepherd. God wants to be the shepherd that loves you, that cares for you, that protects you. You just got to say yes to him. You just got to say yes to all that he has for us. And then number four, God guides us. God guides us. Let's be honest, we're easily distracted. Oh, maybe it's just me, but I, okay, I'm easily distracted. And it's easy for us to wander off at times. And we need to be honest about that and allow God to be our shepherd and lead us and guide us. Let me bring you back to a passage of scripture that maybe you only hear at funerals, but it's the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know why we don't have to want? Because he's our shepherd. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. My shepherd is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, not because of who we are, but because we have a shepherd who loves us and cares for us and protects us and guides us. You want a good sermon recommendation? Okay, I'm gonna give it to you anyway. There's a great sermon called 41, uh, 21 Seconds. 21 Seconds to Change Your World. You should write that down. 21 Seconds to Change Your World. And it's about praying the Lord's Prayer from a Protestant position and praying the 23rd Psalm together. 21 Seconds to Change Your World. I'm telling you, it is so powerful. All right, let's wrap up today. Talking about how we should respond to God's love. We know God loves us. We know that he's for us. Let's talk real quick. How should we respond to his love? Number one, receive it. Receive it. Some of you today don't even feel worthy of one another, of other people's love, much less, much less God's. Just say yes to his love and let him guide you. 
I can't imagine what my life would be like if I wasn't introduced to the love of God. I can't imagine how different my life would be. When I was seven years old, my parents filed for divorce. My dad was an alcoholic. He was a chain smoker and he was a gambler. And my mom kicked him out for the last time and filed for divorce. See, they had seven kids. My dad was so, uns- my dad was so selfish. He grew up as an only child. His father physically and verbally abused him and his mother tried to make up for it by spoiling him. He was a mess. Seven years old, being raised by my mom. And then one day, my dad was driving through Mississippi. He was a salesman on the road, and it was a snowy night, and he got in a terrible wreck. The other man died. And he got put in a hospital. And it was in that hospital where he had no control. He had no alcohol. He had none of his go-tos. That little Catholic priest walked in and asked him if he knew Jesus. And my dad looked at him and said, sure, I go to church. And that Catholic priest said, I didn't ask you about church. I asked you, do you know Jesus? And that Catholic priest over time led my dad to the Lord. That's when I was seven years old. My dad passed away 12 years ago from seven to 50. He never touched alcohol again. When he was about to be released from the hospital, he had nowhere to go. He called my mom and he said, can I just come home till I get better? And then I promise I'll move out again. And she said, if you keep your word to move out when you get better, I'll let you come stay. But when he got home, instead of being demanding, he was grateful. Instead of being a complainer, he was thankful. And all of a sudden, she saw something different. And it was Jesus, and only Jesus. Over time, my mom canceled the divorce. All seven of their kids have served in ministry. All seven of us have been on the mission field. All seven of us have serving Jesus today. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine if that accident doesn't happen on that snowy night in Mississippi. I can't imagine what our lives would look at if that would look like if that little Catholic priest wouldn't have walked in and said, I'm not interested in church. I want to know, do you know Jesus? I just want to say this. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. Can I just tell you, this is a moment that literally has the ability to change the trajectory of your life and your children's lives. And maybe you're here today and you've already said yes to Jesus, 
she just can't believe that you're worthy of his love. Can I just tell you, until you say yes to the love of Jesus, you will always strive and struggle to perform for him so that he will love you because of what you do. Listen, he doesn't love us because of what we do. He loves us because of who we are, and we are his. He paid for it with the blood of his only son. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not worthy of that kind of love. You're right. This isn't based on our worth. That's why it's called the good news. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, Christ made provision for your sin and your salvation before we ever knew we needed it because he loves us. In Luke 15, God celebrates over the finding of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Isaiah 62, 5, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will God rejoice over you. Man, you remember your wedding day? How beautiful she was. I know it's hard to believe, but I didn't get married until I was 36. As good looking as I am. But I remember when she came down those stairs thinking, oh my God, he loves me. And that's how God sees you. When he looks at you, he doesn't see all your flaws and all your mistakes. He just sees you as someone who is beautiful in his own eyes. How do we respond to God's love? Number one, receive it. Number two, refill yourself with God's love. You have a bucket. We each have a bucket that needs to be filled with God's love. And the more we refill, the less likely we are to settle for temporary love. God wants to fill us with himself, fill us with his love. Can I just tell you, when my wife and I are best, it's when we're connected. And sometimes... When I don't feel loved by God or accepted by God, it's because I haven't connected with him. Luke eleven three, 3, give us this day our daily bread. Most of us grew up in traditional religion and it made it hard for us to get to God. We had to jump through hoops to get to God. Can I just tell you, God made it really easy. Romans 10, 13 literally says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know why? Because God wants relationship with us. You don't have to jump through hoops for God. You don't have to perform for God. I think sometimes people, especially men, we struggle in our devotion to God or reading our Bible and praying because we complicate it. Listen, God just wants relationship. And sometimes that might be 15 minutes and sometimes it might be 30 and sometimes it might be two on your way to work. But just give him something of yourself. John 15, 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Live within my love. And then my last thing is this. The last way we respond to God's love is simply reflect reflect God's love to others. In other words, give it away. I just tell you, 
I have a counseling agent in Lafayette. One after another, people come in. I just want purpose. I just want to belong to something. I just want to feel a part of something. Reflect God's love. Give God's love away. I end with this last scripture, John 13. A new commandment, new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm so glad you're here in church today. I'm so glad you're part of a spiritual family. I would just encourage you. Love your neighbors because God wants them here too. Love your coworkers because God wants them to see something different in you that draws them to himself. I'm asking you to bow your heads. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I want to ask two questions. The first one is this, if you're here today and you say, I've never really said yes to the love of God and I'm not walking in a healthy relationship with him, but I want to today. I just want to say yes, and I don't even know everything about it. I just want to say yes to God, and I want to say yes to his love and yes to a relationship with him. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I want to embarrass you. I want to have you stand or come forward. I just want you to do one thing. Just lift your hand and put it right back down right now. If you want to say yes to a relationship with, the, with God and know his love, just raise your Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the balcony. Thank you in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray a prayer. And I want to ask every believer in this room to pray along in support of you. Listen to me. This prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Can we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all of my heart, no matter what it costs me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your heads bowed. I just want to ask this one last question. You're here today and you're a believer. But you say, I need, I really do need help accepting God's love and believing that he really does love me. That you just raise your hand, put it right back down. Yes, 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 all over the room. Yes, yes. Father, thank you for your love. God, the enemy wants to convince us that we're, that we're beyond being loved. Father, today we pray, help us not to listen to the enemy, but to trust your word. For in your word is truth. Lord, today we pray. Surround us with people that love us not for who we are and what we do, but simply because they represent you in our lives. God, help us to surrender to you, to your love for us. 
In Christ's name we pray.